Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of No Head, where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. This podcast is available in all the podcast apps. If you haven't subscribed, please take a moment and subscribe and rate me. It helps others discover this podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at No Head Podcast. How are you doing, breathers? Yeah, that's my name for all of you who are taking time to breathe and be in the present moment. If you're tuning in for the first time, my name is Dorothy Ooko, and when I'm not doing my day job in communications, I facilitate a mindfulness course at Google called Search Inside Yourself. Today's quote is from Chinua Achebe. Quote, the white man is very clever. He came quietly and peaceably with his religion. We were amused at his foolishness and allowed him to stay. Now he has won our brothers and our clan can no longer act like one. He has put a knife on the things that held us together and we have fallen apart. End of quote. As is our practice, let's take a moment to fully arrive by doing a few breathing exercises. So let's practice together by being aware of our next three breaths. We will breathe in through the nose to a count of six. We will hold to a count of two. And then we will breathe out slowly through the mouth to a count of six. Breathe in. Hold. Breathe out slowly through the mouth. Breathe in through the nose. Hold. Breathe out slowly through the mouth. Breathe in, hold, breathe out slowly through the mouth. And now let your breathing return to its normal rhythm. Breathing in, breathing out. Letting your breath guide you, letting your breath lead you, not controlling anything, just letting your breath be. My guest today is 84-year-old Mr. Aru Solomon Oburu, who describes himself as a proud grandpa and husband to Paris Atieno Oburu, and father to seven children. He shares about his university education in Liberia and then working as a civil servant just before independence. He has published his first book, Passing on the Baton. In this first part, we're talking about life in the colonial days and what it meant growing up then. And he reflects 
on where we can do better as a society. The first being not aping the Western culture and developing an appreciation of our culture. We sometimes get carried away in this conversation and speak in Luo and English. I offer some translations and you will not get lost. But I thought maybe before we start and before I tell the listeners and the viewers why I'm excited about this gift that you've given us, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself. How old are you? Where you went to school, and we can take it up from there. Thank you again. My name, as you mentioned, is Aro Solomon Oburu. I'm 83, walking to 84 years old. When's your birthday so we can celebrate you? My birthday is 0505 1938. Wow. So, for schools, I started going to school in Kaswanga Primary School in Rosenga Island as a young boy at age 8. When I finished those days, we did what was popularly known as Common Competitive Entrance Examination, which was done to graduate us to Standard 5. I was lucky, I would say, because competition was very stiff. So I say I was lucky. I graduated to Standard 5, again in Kaswanga, where I did Standard 5, 6, 7, and 8. Then I did at that, what was that time known as Kenya African Preliminary Examination CAPE. I had opportunity to go for my high school in Kamagambo Seventh-day Adventist School, where I did Form 1 and 2, and transitioned to Bugema Secondary School of the Church, where I went up to complete uh, the high school. On completion of that, the results came out. I wasn't lucky enough to be called to Makarere, which was the only A-level school in East Africa at that time. Is that, uh, that's where everyone needed to go to. That is where everybody went. You came from Kenya, you went to Makarere, you came to Uganda, you came from Uganda, you went to Makarere, you came from Tanzania, or at that time Tanganyika, you went to Makarere, you came from Zanzibar, you went to Makarere, and a bit of some people from Sudan. So it was where A-level was taught. Fortunately for me, having been born in Rosenga, the late boy TJ, in his foresight, saw independence looming, but there were very few Africans with education to bedrock that independence if it right. And it is political wisdom got in touch with JF, his brother Robert, and other friends in the US, and they crafted airlift for Kenyans to go to the US. It, is, it remains popular as airlift, but it took people to US. People only know the US airlift, but in that, in that airlift, there were other places that people went to. I had the privilege to be selected to go to Liberia, which was at that time, the second or whatever, whether I call it second or whatever, but was the number, was the two of the African independent countries. The first one having been Ethiopia, Liberia was. But then other countries in Africa had, had had their education developed much more than Kenyan and East African. Sierra Leone had Furabai College, 
Nigeria had theirs and Ghana had theirs. So Tom actually talked with some of these other people. And those who did not get opportunity to go to the US were given opportunity to go to these other places. That is how I went to Liberia. How long were you in Liberia for? I was in Liberia for five years. Mm -hmm. After finishing my undergrad, I wanted to do law. And the Liberian government was fairly friendly. They became friendly because when I was in Liberia, God privileged me with the opportunity to be president of the National Student Union in a country where I was a foreigner. So you were quite popular then. Yes, so that one gave me opportunity and I was amongst the offers that the university had for postgraduate. I was selected to be one of them. University of Liberia where I was had a faculty of law. So I was admitted to start law. But the urge to come home, and particularly parental urge, right. was come home, come home, come home. And uh, the friendship between TJ and my father, he told me, you come if you want to go do law. The American law is practiced differently from Kenya. But after I arrived, work on what they were calling Africanization changed the priorities. So I went into civil service. Yeah, that is the story, the background. Wow. All right, and you're in civil service for how long? I stayed in civil service until 1993. You know that the generation now cannot stay in a job for that long because yes. uh, people need to get out so they don't stay that long. Yes. Uh, today's generation is much different from what we were. One, uh, at our time, there was as good as absent private sector. The bulk of employment was in the public service and its tertiary institutions mm -hmm. or parastatals. Because other than mainline civil service, it was what was called East African Railways and Harbors, mm. which was a parastatal, East African Post and Telecommunication, which were also tertiaries, government, public institutions. The only, what I would refer to as companies of substance were East African breweries and East African tobacco. The rest was small, small, one man or a few, uh, a little corporate world. Right. So people stayed in the civil service and it was considered prestigious to be called at that time officer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> officer had a lot of power. It had a lot. Some were not all that powerful. Those that were powerful were in the provincial administration where their actions were backed up by law. But being an officer was a very big prestige to the officer and to even the parents. Uh, my son, my daughter, Yatena Opisa. Yes. So we found ourselves stuck in and uh, part of what influenced us was there, there was nowhere else, again, where do you go? Right, there's because no private, private sector. sector. wasn't there. Right. You stayed on, and then there was something which nearly all of us didn't know, or didn't understand, called pension. Because the private sector wasn't there, and if you had put in 10 years, this animal called the pension was really a glue. And I remember what we used to say, it is something you will 
direct translation. Yes. You will eat it and tell you what? You die. <laughs> we didn't know what it was. Right. We only knew that at the end, when you retire, you have something to live on. Until you die. But by the time we came to know what it was, it was very difficult to live because it was this peanut, particularly for those of us who are in the civil service before. Mm. But there we are, we remained stuck and we paid the penalty of being pioneers and fought for changes that are now enjoined. By the present, by yes. the present group. That is so interesting, the things we take for granted, because as I said, the young people are just, they stay two years and they're moving, Gen Z, as we call them. Yes. Uh, and Gen Y, they don't last that long. Yes. If you're not showing me where I'm going, goodbye, I'm off to look for another job. Yes. So it's very different from your generation and a bit of my generation where we stayed for long in jobs. The one thing I wanted to ask you before we delve into the book is this notion of transition. I think that if I look at the Kenyan society and our African society as well, there isn't a proper transition of father, son, uh, grandfather into that role. So I wanted to find out about your transition before we get into you passing the baton to your grandchildren, your transition from son, you're the firstborn son you, you shared with me, to father, to being a father, to your seven children, and then being a grandfather and a doting grandfather at that. How was that transition? Because in the present community and society that we live, I don't think there's anything that marks those transitions. And so we end up with a very, maybe a very confused, conflicted generation. I don't know what you can say about that. Well, personally, I would make a statement that the transition before we began to ape what Mzungu gave us was very orderly substantially orderly because parents it was gender sort of separated gender bracketed right but the fathers all along from age seven age eight the males were supposed to be have dinner mm -hmm. particularly dinner with the father and they sat there and the father talked to them i would say apprenticed them with the values of the society where they were taught, what is it to be a male child? Mm. And so the boys went, were, were inculcated with the values of what it is to be a male. When they got to teenage, they joined the elderly cousins in, I don't have the English equivalent, but in what it was called Simba. Mm. Simba, this is a, an African heart which is just meant for yes, which the, is boys. the boys mm. of... 10 and above. And there, they were lectured by their cousins and so forth who were elderly. Oh, really? I didn't know that's what happened in Simba's. Yes. Oh, okay. They were told, they got lectures, You will when you reach this age, we expect you to be married. And when you get married... What was that age? What was the age? Because I know that it has changed. It in... started from, depending on families, but it started from about 20, okay. 20 years to latest was 27, a few got to 30. But you are really lectured. Mm. You got lectured when you get married, what is expected of you. And so there was that orderly transition which was preparing you for responsibilities at the various ages of life. Uh, on entry, 
of missionaries, things began to change. And I say this with a lot of respect, because I'm, uh, I was converted to Christianity. But everything, even that lecture was demonized. Right. Everything African was demonized. Was demonized. Right. So you had to do it, Kikisobo. And through that, because Wazobos were not available to us, we could not interact with them the way our parents were interacting with us. We missed it. And if we practiced the way we were taught by our parents and our peers, even the girl child, uh, that was evil. Right. So we threw all that away. And unfortunately, it still sticks with us. Exactly. We suffer. I think our community yeah. suffer because yes. of that. Because of that, we lost it. Mm. Mm. And when we lost it, we did not provide an indigenous replacement mm. of those values. Right. It was one of them that I remember very well. We prepared the young men to be responsible. It's earlier, Lewis scholars called it virtue positive. Right. Virtue. Earlier, Lewis scholars called it virtue boasting. Virtue boasting. Uh, try to capture whether that really captured it well. But if you say it in Kibuluo, it had two main things. It is patro, in other words, saying who you are. Right. But using it, using that patro to tell your cousin, I would say, tell your cousin or whatever, of his irresponsibility. Oh. Yes. Uh, make sanctions. Because in that patro, which was done where, when they met and so forth. So give me an example of park work. How would it be so that you're using it as a sanction? You use it as a sanction because when mm. you met, mm. you are in a group. And you'd simply tell your cousin, the dollar, called the bureau, you get your virtual, without calling the name. But amongst you there, you knew whose mother's house was leaking because the houses were touched with grass. Right. And there was no, if you knew that your mother's house was leaking, you are not supposed to take offense. Because if you take offense, all these other people will turn on you. So you see, it was a way of molding responsibility. Mm. If in your family, your age group are not participating in production of food, they tell you, man, Ah, that was the okay. Wow. And mm. they were very powerful in molding responsibility. Right. Um, the first thing that the missionaries did, that pack was possible, was yeah. demonized. Right. Yeah. If you are a Christian, you are not supposed to pack mm. Yeah. Uh, they call it evil pride without understanding that right. because you are now become Christian, you are preparing all these other things for Christianity. You diligently and faithfully abandoned. Right. You didn't question why. You didn't question. No, you didn't right. question why. Mm. Mm. And you stopped grouping with your peers because already you have been transformed. Wow. And the Bible is very uh, be not equally yoked with unbelievers. Right. <laughs> that has been misused. You right. have grown with them. You are fourteen. You are seventeen. But because they are unbelievers, you don't belong. Wow. So. These are some of the things that we actually abandoned, but without replacement. Right. Because the reason there's no, there's no replacement, the Mzungu did not have the equivalent. Right. And they were not interested in teaching us 
I mean, learning the values of these things. Mm. What they wanted was tell us, you know, give to me what you know. Yeah, really true. Mm. So we abandoned them without replacement. And they did the damage they did. Yeah. yeah. And and years, many years later, 56 years after independence, we are still suffering from that part of demonizing our culture, yes. isn't it? Yeah, so you had all this from your father as a son, and you got this molding as a son living in the community. Then you become a father. You get married, you become a father. What happens in terms of what practice do you have in your home? Is it the Christian, or now you've mixed? Let me first before but the, the other major transition I talked about is mm. getting ready, getting prepared to be married. Oh right, that was taught in the Simba. That was taught in the Simba. Okay. And you are told what your responsibility as a husband mm. is. The girls were told because they were in what is called the mm. they sleeping in the grandmother's houses. Mm. And they were told what it is to be a wife. How do you behave? Now, in this education, part of it involved how do you identify as a potential spouse? Who should be involved in this identification? Right. Uh, I like the Jewish approach. They call it matchmaking or match fixing. <laughs> the Jews call it yagam. Oh, it's the same, isn't it? Yes. In it, in that transition, when you reach that age, you just don't walk like we do today. I've met you, I love you, let's go. Put a ring on it. They say put a ring on it if we met. Yes. Yeah, just yeah. put a ring. Yes. What, what happened in the match fixing? Well, largely with compatibility. Oh, really? Yes. Would, Jaga, would Ajagam know that this person is... Jagam is supposed to know the character and conduct of the boy, the, the character and conduct of the girl. Mm. Not anybody would pose as a Jagam. Oh. So there were either relatives who, uh, who has connections to both sides, or, or the images of entering into urban life. People formed friends. And this is a friend who knows who you are, and knows who the who if you are a, if, if if you are a, a son, what is in this son? Mm. If you are a, a daughter, what is in this daughter? Because one thing which was very common but very powerful, Lewis did not divorce. Yes, I had that. There was completely no in the divorce. Lua community. Mm. In the Lua community. Mm. It was in more restrict restricted and strict that even the Catholics have it. Why? Because if you said you're going to divorce, what would happen? What they were, mm. before we get to what would happen, mm. the law was treated marriage with sanctity and sacredness that it was. It was not just a union of a man and a woman, or a woman and a man. It had connections with the children that will be born. And in those days, they knew that if the if the family breaks, the the greatest losers are the children. So they provided security. Mm. 
the security was found in the dowry system. And whom do you marry? Lewis never married women. Mm. They were marrying girls. Difference then? The difference is mm. you are a girl until you are married. Ah. Marriage transforms you or translates you or metamorphoses you into womanhood. Right. And it didn't matter how old you are, you are a girl. Oh, so was there an age for girls to get married? Like for men, it was between 20 and 27 or up to 30. Yes, the age it. for girls started about 16 to about 22, 23. Okay. Yeah. And after that, you're out of the race. Yes. Now, what then happened, after you have agreed and the matchmaker has certified that you are compatible, there were two, Haifa, uh, Roya, Togejaruath. Okay. The Lewis called them their Orlando, though Orlando. The first two to enter the girl's home, hmm. there was no limit that you could take two. But out of that, what you take to the girl's home for the first time, two. Must be... Those were the legal mm -hmm. anchor of security of the woman. The girl turned into womanhood. Right. That was so powerful. So powerful. The Lewis sanctioned separation. They're not fussy about separation. It's, there will be some small disappointment. Right. But. Those two animals gave the woman the right to come back to ma the matrimonial home. Because it's and still a her home. And the man cannot right. say, you ran away, you left me, where are they? Mm. Where are you coming back? No. He, he had the obligation to accept her back. You do not even ask. She is not even asking you whether she should come back. She just walks back. Wow. So women had power in deciding. Very, very right. powerful. She just walks back. Wow. And if you try it, you will attract the wrath of the community. Oh, as a man. If you say as it, no, man. you can't. Yeah. As a man. <clears throat> At that time, you will know what the community is. And that was the security right. given to the women. Right. right. So those who are transitional, yeah, we were talking about the transition. Right, right. Yes. So it really helped to secure because the culture did not the culture abhorred marrying, I mean, the serial marriage for a woman, mm. let me say. Mm. Serial marriage, whatever. And the whole thing about it was that marriage was not just for the man and the woman. Right, it wasn't for it, love as we it know it. Was, right. It was also a source of recharging the community with the children. And Kisu uh, calls it illegitimate. Illegitimacy. You always call it Kemerwa. In other words, a child born out of marriage. Mm -hmm. That was the culture. A child born out of marriage right. lived with stigma. Oh, really? Yes. With stigma. And so this is why in all this, 
the man and the woman are to secure the child. It was for the for the children it as well. It was for the children. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So that is what it was. So after you are married, like I was, mm. to go into it after the match making, mm -hmm. uh, you are, you then go as almost call it handing. No, asking for the hand of the girl. Mm. You go into the girl's the girl's home, and I'm usually the 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 girl the, 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 the girl here because it was never married women. Yes, you became a woman once you're married. You became a woman after marriage. After marriage, right? So you go into the home of the girl. Your father organizes some an uncle mm. of yours, and you take your peers, cousins. And you go and you are asked the normally some of the very interesting questions. Even those who know you very well, at that time, they don't know you. What are you from? What brings you here? And blah, blah, blah. And until the girl is brought to say yes. Is that where the year comes from? No, a year is a very recent thing. Oh, but really? Yes, very recent. At that time, after you have been asked all these questions, mm. then the girl is asked to come. See, do you know these people? She will say yes. Uh, what has brought them here? Do you know what has brought them here? Mm. And some uh, some girls are very interested. They say yes, I know them, but I don't know what has brought them here. <laughs> 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 I know them, but I don't know what has brought them here. Right. At that time, of course, the, the, the boy or the man really mm -hmm. sweeps. I can imagine. But the side of the girl will do interrogative questions. Mm -hmm. At least, yes, you know, I know them and whatnot. This boy has been asked to ask me to marry me. Some will say I told them no. Oh, really? Yeah, yes. But... They will say, before these people came, you told us you are going to have friends who are coming. Mm. Why did you tell us you are going to have friends if you told them no? So life will start. And then the lady, you are there asked. A year is asked after the discussions. Oh. Yes. I'm learning. Then you are told, show us evidence of your seriousness. That you want us to be relatives. Edward mm. will what? Mm. Wow. All this is done by your appointed spokesman, quite often an uncle or a, a senior cousin of yours. Mm. So that is where, uh, as recent as I see is, you produce it. What if you're poor and you couldn't afford the HIFA and, you know, the car? What would happen? If you could afford? If you couldn't afford the HIFA that Nyaroyo Munegikeli. You can't. You can't go into those negotiations if you can't afford. So you'd ask the villagers, everyone, to help you? You'd ask the village. Okay. And it's taken so serious that you cannot go into that kind of situation without the promise of IFA. Right. So you go with it. But you see, at that time, you don't take during the negotiations. Yeah. It's not when you take the, the, the animals. Mm. The animals follow later. What is given at that negotiations is a year which is normally mm. uh, monitoring. Oh, yes. even in those days it was still monitoring. Yes. Okay. I is very recent, very recent. It started in the mid-50s. So it was monitoring. Mm. Uh, 
Are you giving? And then you are told, okay, now go and uh, grow in the evidence of your seriousness. Jack Nyombo. Because a year is not dowry. It is a greeting gesture to the mother in law. Mm. Chak Nyombo. So So a year was there a value more was it me it had to be ten thousand or five thousand? It had no value. It had no value. You decided. Yeah. The metamorphosis of behavior, I would Mm. say the metamorphosis of culture. Mm. Metamorphosis of behavior now discusses (laughs) the quantum, monetary quantum. Right. Yes. But those who understand it, in fact, it's not even discussed. Mm. The only thing that happens, Mm. How is that releasing? Is the people from her side take her to the man's side? No. Or the jagam comes? No. The lady prepares herself with maids from her side. Mm-hmm. And they come to the man's home. And with wonderful songs, beautiful, announcing their coming oh, from wow. long distance. Where the whole clan knows it. Uh, yeah. And they come with pride. Right. Yeah. Uh, that is it. Of course, that was the prideful union. Mm. Occasionally, there was hiding union. Mm. I was almost called it eloping. I know. My parents eloped. <laughs> I know. They did. Yes. yes. Mm. You see, but after eloping, those those maids are sent right. to come and sing and celebrate the marriage of their peer. Yeah, so marriage those, was celebrated. Yes, those were the ways. And what used to happen, or what happened, particularly for those ones who eloped, the man will report the following morning, and the language, the words were very clear. Mm. I have a guest. <laughs> And Giwendo. All the others guests that some women have always visited him. But he doesn't go and say, I have a guest. Mm. No. When he says, I have a guest, he reports that to the mother, and the father immediately reports to the father. Then it's known you are married. Mm. Very quickly, the dowries and so forth are organized to be taken to the other side. Right. The most important interesting thing was if you had Simba, the moment you have reported that you have a guest and she, it has been accepted that that Simba ceases to be your house. Oh, right, because you're, not, you're married now. Yes. The owner of the house is the woman you have married. Mm. And that remains with the Lewis up to now. Men don't own 
before we started the legal papers, the, the paper of law, mm. men had no houses. Mm. Houses belong to the women. Wow. That is emancipation before right now. That is yes. so huge. Okay. Houses belong to the women. The family land belong to the women, the wife. Mm. The chicken belong to the wife. So what did the man own? The man owned security. Mm. Provide provision of security. Okay. Yes. To look after the family. The cattle belonged to the woman. Everything belonged to the woman. Wow. That was, that was the... This is, this is what it was. Right. And that was cultural. That was yes. our uh, Luo culture. Yes. But after entry into the Roman law, mm. men now... The two men now can own houses. And the chickens? They can own. I don't know whether they own chicken. Oh, really? They own the cows? They own the cows and they own the land. Mm. But whether they own the chicken, I don't know. So what yeah. does a woman own? Yeah? Now, in this, new in this new construct where the man owns the house, because he can, <coughs> and he owns the farmland, the woman owns nothing. The woman, by law, owns nothing. Right. But the law has been, it's metamorphosizing to say it is co-owned. Right. Yeah, but I'm talking about what, 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 what happened. What happened, yes. right, right. Good. So, tell us, so the transition, so, son, you? Now, yes. as my father used to sit with me after eating, we call it dual, hmm. that's where you eat. I've come, I will live in urban area. I'm urbanized. My children are born in the urban. So, what we now transition with is eating together. We have no separation of gender. Right. The daughters sit with us. The boys sit with us. In it, we talk things which now operate in today's world. Personally, I've accepted the masculinity, which we can't go back to. Mm. Because the urban life confines us to a house mm. like we are here. Right. So where are you going to get a, a fireplace to sit with your sons and mama? Mama is a little bit lucky because they can sit in the, in the, the kitchen. In the kitchen. Mm. But the kitchen is for preparing the bill. Mama cannot eat with the children in the kitchen. Right. So, so we, what we now do is to accept this as emerging realities mm. of family life, how people should live together. Mm. Then comes one of the big challenges that we have. Urban life has opened us what I call cross-cultural marriages, mm. where we bring in very substantially different right. mm. marital behavior. This to me is a big challenge. Mm. But I say the best way to replace it is to have togetherness. Mm. Yeah. And unity. And I tell some women, even the new women, try to learn on how they did it. Because the new marriages lasted. Do you the think? New marriages yeah. mm. emphasized a lot lineage. Mm. They emphasized a lot what you are leaving to the children. 
Because even this, even this ownership I was talking about of land mm. also formed. That land was held in trust for the children. Got it. The children were the primary focus of the family assets. Mm. Your primary focus of the family assets. And what we now have, mine, ours, wasn't there. It was ours throughout. Mm. And that is why it was, did uh, what, is, what was, what I would say was very interesting. Knowing mm. that men are polygamous, the Luo men, and men worldwide are polygamous. Right. Luo's polygamize in parallel, Wazungu's polygamize either in series or in deceit. Yes, you can have your mistress on the side. You see, other mm. communities may polygamize, some polygamize in parallel, but secret. Mm. Mm. We have communities where brothers grow to adulthood, they don't, they don't know one another. Mm. The duos brought them together. So some of these things actually have hit the importance of marriage and children as the focus of the union. Mm. And we now have laws. Uh, I often go to some wedding ceremonies presided over by priests and I hear them counseling the young people. Let nobody come between you. Don't even allow the children to come between so you, you and your what? Yes, and your wife, your partner. I wonder. Mm. I wonder. But that is, I think, maybe my background. Right. Because that it was the, the children. children is the focus mm. that you want to bring up. What can succeed you well? Mm. Yes. I like that. What can succeed you well? Yes. Or what can succeed you successfully? Right. Yeah. And your father passed that on to you. That's what my father did. Passed on to you. Yes. And so you start your family and you know that the focus of everything you do with your wife is at the children. Yes. But they are the ones that are taken away from you. Right. Yes. And so with the uh, culture sort of having changed as you've expressed, you know, now we are living in a modern house in the city. You can't have your Simba and you can't have these conversations. How do you pass on the lessons, important lessons to your sons and your wife passes the important lessons to the daughters? Do you agree on how this takes place? I agree mm. that it is important. The most important thing, which I don't think whatever changes are, that whether we are urban, mm. cannot replace is the primacy, the significance of the child in a family. Mm. Personally, I don't believe in compromising that. Mm. Even if you're living in one little place, mm. there are families, and you know, it is very interesting. You go to some of some areas where people have just this, mm. and you, you get amazed how close they are with their children. Right. So marriage is for recharging society in an orderly manner, mm. in a respectable manner, because human beings are not other animals, but even other animals who chase and mate, they bring up their children 
to a certain level until they know the children can fend for themselves. Right. Yeah. And the human beings are the one with the longest period, longest period to capability mm. to fend for themselves. And now it is even longer with schools. If God blesses you with what we call a brilliant, Kenyans like to call it brilliant child, exceptionally bright, mm. then you must, you know you will have to support that child until about 27 years. Right. Because he's going to tell you, Daddy, Mommy, I must do PhD. So, if the child is not the primary focus of you, then who else is the primary focus? So what you raise is quite important because that's where we are lost now because the current generation, the focus is on love. But you're saying the focus in those days, in the traditional days in Luoland, it, it's the children. That was the focus. So you got married and you raised your children and they were the focus so that you raised them well. Well, <laughs> there are some words that I like to discuss mm -hmm. with people. What is love? Let's confine love in marital relationship. What right. is it? I don't know. It's a, a feeling that makes you sort of... What is it? I don't know. Huh? <laughs> I don't know. I define love mm. as knowing and performing responsibility evolutionally. I That's know, love. I know what I need to do to make my, my wife happy. Right. Yes. Okay. And mm. I should, my wife should not ask for it. Mm. It is my responsibility. And you know, there are things we are being taught mm. in that youth. And my wife also knows mm. what she needs to do for me. To make you to happy. To make me happy. Right. That is what love is. Right. In marriage, it is not romance. Mm. Romance is a 10 minute affair. But if you know, including romance, is a responsibility. Mm. That is how I define it. Right. Even that romance is a responsibility. You know that your wife need to be. You you have to make your wife romantic. Mm. Your wife knows this man has come from work is so tired. Perhaps what I can use to make her feel mm. relieved is being romantic. Mm. It is a responsibility. But love without performance of responsibility is artificial. Wow. Preach. That is me. Mm. I may be wrong. No, you're right. It makes sense. And I think that's where we have that's where we are seeing a lot of failures in marriage because yeah, yeah we're thinking about me. Yes. Yeah. So be that is how I define love. Okay. Volitional performance of responsibility. Volitional performance like of responsibilities, now, yeah. With all your respect to the young man, mm. I'm seeing the young man in trouble. Mm. Some of them are, are replacing, I mean, they, they, they marry my daughter mm. because the po 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 revenue potential of your daughter. Mm. So where is love? There's no love, yeah. A lady marries your son because mm. of revenue potential of your son. Yeah. Where is love? That's what capitalism has done to us. Eh? That's what capitalism has yeah. done to our relationships. So, we need 
to be able to revive if this 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 day at time. Mm. Otherwise, we are going to if we are married because of love, I go to US, go to Europe, go to wherever they are experimenting. Mm. Those labs don't last more than two years. The divorce rate in the US is it's quite high. It's yeah. scary. Mm. Really loved me. Why should it over? Why should it ever, ever, evaporate? Mm. Those who love themselves will sit down and say, "This is what we are quarrelling about." Mm. I say and admit. I know the men don't like admitting, looking at the face of the wife and saying, "I'm sorry, mm. I did it. I'm sorry, I wouldn't do it." Men don't like that. Mm. That their animalistic nature. But you will find them a week or a month after they have changed their performance. The complaint which the wife had. They took it in. Yes. Mm. So, if we can do that, things will be very good. Wow. But if we, if we are talking of love, mm. that are burying you because of love. I don't know. I'm old. I told you I'm 83 turning what? So maybe I grew up when I didn't know this word love. Though we had joking age mate, I heard him make a page man at him no kakado. Because I thought of you. That means I love you so much that the the exam I was sitting, I couldn't remember I anything. Could concentrate. Yes. No, I could concentrate. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. See? Very, very romantic. But in marriage, that's not mm. allowed. Mm. Wow, this is so powerful. And I think that we will end this part one on that session of, on that note of what love is and our, how important it is for us to relook, redefine what love is and redefine what marriage is. And I think take your tips on focuses on the children and on the, on the lineage as well. Uh, that is one thing that I would really want us mm. to. I know it is, we have gone very far. Right. But we need to tell the youth that love in marriage is not romance. In this right. book, I've called it spice. Right. It spices the relationship. Right. But it's not the food. You can miss the spice and still nutritionally have great food. Have a great food. Right. But you can't eat the spice. Yeah. That's such a good analogy. Yes, mm. I've said that in the book. Yeah, I've said that in the book. So we'll t we'll Romans talk. Romans and all this. These are spices. Words. These are spices. But responsibility and performance of responsibility is what I call love. You must follow performance of the child in school. Right. Be a present parent. Because these days we are not there. We you must follow. Mm. You must follow performance of things in school. Mm. When parents are called, mm. be there. And you can't come back and tell your wife I love you when you are not there to see how how her child is performing. Mm. Uh, you are sending your wife. Responsibility. What? Some of this thing I'm talking about, you will ask Paul. I learned from my mother who did go to school. Mm. The only book she could read is the Bible. I used to ask her, how did you learn to read the Bible? 
and you can't read the letter I write, you say, no, the Bible I was told, that was very good. Yeah. But if you ask Paul, hmm. my mother shocked me because she took all my children to secondary school. She was there with us. She took Paul, she walked to Paul, where Paul, Paul started hmm. his uh, architecture here. Hmm. He walked to Paul to the dome. Wow. And when I was telling her, that, is, that belongs to men, he said, mm. so what? What am I going to do? I'm just taking my son, I mean my grandson, to pray for her. Mm. That is what I call love. Mm. Mm. Performance of responsibility, volutionary, not waiting to be summoned. Right. So I took that from my mom. When my children, she was so meticulous, when my children were going to do any little exam. The terminal exams, mm. she would ask me, when are they doing page? She would pray, she would right. call a priest, they would be there with my father. Wow. But this one of ours of these days, eh? and particularly the young men, mm. they don't even want to go to visit the school where the children are, and yet they are saying they love the wives. Mm. What is that love? I don't know. Right. I don't know. But that is what it is, and I think we could really there. But I love that. So having a great legacy, you know, you had one from your father and mother, and have you passed it on to your children, the legacy that you talk about so fondly? I've tried. Okay. And what makes me assume, I assume I've succeeded. Okay. Paul is busy 24 hours 7. I can call him and he's telling me he's working at 2.30, if I have reason to call. Right. But you see, he has been here waiting mm. to do editorial editorial auditing right. of the sound. Right. That means mm. he values me. Yes, and it's voluntary. No, yes. You see, he values me. Mm. And valuing me, maybe he got something I gave to him which makes it value me. Right. Yeah? Right. I try. I can't say I succeeded. No. But I try. Okay. Yeah? I love it. And Paul knows how much try to do it with the grandchildren. Recently, mm. I, went, I went to visit my grandchildren in the U.S. Mm. One of them is his son. Mm. And he saw me walking with his son, mm. the whole campus, because you of these things we now have, walking the whole campus, mm. until uh, the boy took me to the library. I don't know what they say, the frog is in the water. <laughs> uh, Daddy is in the water. Right. Uh, his, his son, the, the son is named after him, Paul mm. Junior. Mm. He said, Paul, with his grandfather, in the library. In the in, no, in the water. <laughs> Knowing what I what I like. So mm. me, that's what I pray for. Mm. Yeah. And you will find some of those captured in the book as we discuss the book. Right. Yes. Thank you so much. And that's a really great way to end um the session. And then we will go to the second part, which is talking about your motivation for passing the baton. Thank you. Well, that's all today in No Head where we learn to live in the present moment and navigate life together. 
Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at New Hack Podcast. As we say in Swahili, Mwachamila nimtumwa. Those who ignore their culture are slaves. May you appreciate your history and culture. May you not ape other people's culture blindly. And may you play your role wherever you are. Bye-bye.